So I, I don't know if you've ever um, experienced this, but um, if you've ever been to the Apple store, um, then you know that there's a process, right? And so if, you're, if your phone or your MacBook is broken, um, or if there's something wrong with it, there's a glitch in the system, typically you'll schedule a meeting at the Apple store, um, and then you'll, you'll go in, or if you didn't schedule a meeting, you'll go in and you'll schedule it then, and sometimes you have to come back, but eventually you get to an associate, and you, you stand with them next to the table, and you kind of go through what's going on. You say like, so listen, this thing won't work, or when I do this, this doesn't happen, or something's not working right, or um, it won't let me change from silent mode to on or whatever it is. Like, so you explain the situation to them, and typically the next uh, the next thing that they'll ask is, well, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Uh, has anybody ever asked you that? Maybe it wasn't an associate at Apple, maybe it was just with another electronic that you had, maybe your computer, and you Googled it, and that was the first solution, or you talked to one of your friends, and they asked you the question, have you tried turning it off and then turning it back on again? Now, I don't know if you've have ever had one of these moments where um, a, a reality in a moment begins to speak to a larger reality that exists in our world, in our lives, in our culture, even, even our spiritual lives, our faith journeys. And, and when I think about this idea of turning things off and then turning them back on again, I, I can't help but connect it to our, our certain like COVID-19 moment, uh, this shelter-in-place moment. I feel like, in a sense, we've stepped into this moment where our systems maybe weren't working the way that they were meant to. Like, there were things in our lives that maybe had a little bit of a glitch in them. And it's almost as if uh, we've turned off the system. and the beauty of it is, is that this season is only, it's not forever, it's only going to be a moment. Um, and, and eventually we will, we'll, turn, um, we'll turn the system back on again. So I, I wonder if we can connect this idea of uh, the Apple Store, uh, this, this understanding of like rebooting our system and, and apply it to our current situation. Now, now rebooting isn't the only time something is turned off and then turned back on again. Uh, another scenario is uh, when we're getting an update. So like if you've ever updated your phone or updated your MacBook or whatever it is, you know that in that process, you actually have to shut down your computer in order to actually start functioning on the new operating system. And so sometimes, like just turning it off and turning it back on again, just rebooting, it doesn't do the trick. We, we actually need a whole new operating system. And maybe, maybe God wants to use this opportunity to help us update or, or download a whole new operating system. Now, I'm not saying that God purposefully put us in this scenario. Like, there's lots of pain going on. There's heartache. There's fear of what could happen to the economy. But maybe God wants to speak to us in this moment. Maybe he, He wants to do something significant in us. Maybe there were certain systems operating in our lives 
in, in our faith journeys that God wants to just update. He wants to turn us off and then turn us back on again. Maybe, maybe he wants to download in you something entirely new. So if you'll turn with me, I want us to ask a question. Could God actually be doing something new in us in this season? And and what should we focus on in the midst of the new? Like, how, how are we supposed to re- respond to Jesus, to the Spirit, doing something new in us? In, in our time, we've been... Uh, talking about this wilderness moment. We've been taking our our cultural situation um, and we've been applying it to the idea found in the scriptures of the wilderness. And and it's throughout the scriptures. There's constant different places. There's so many different places that the Lord speaks to his people through this idea of wilderness. And, And what we see is that he actually wants to bring us through the wilderness and, and there's this moment in Isaiah 43. So if you'll open your Bibles up to me in Isaiah 43, or to Isaiah 43, God um, is speaking to his people who are in exile. And um, it, it, essentially, he's reminding them in this moment of what he's already brought them through. He, he reminds them of Egypt and how they were in bondage. And he, he takes them through the story and he says, don't you remember your captivity? And don't you remember how I rescued you from that? How I brought you through the Red Sea. I parted the Red Sea for you. And then not only that, but I brought you through, he uses the word here, wilderness. And he says there's something for them on the other end of the wilderness. So reading uh, Isaiah 43, starting in verse 16, says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. There's the Red Sea metaphor. Who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Now, if you remember this moment, God rescued them from the chariots, from the army of the Egyptians in the midst of their escape. When they were in bondage, God rescued them from Egypt's clutch. Verse 18, remember not the former things. So he's reminding them, but he says here, remember not the former things. So there's things that he doesn't want them to to dwell on from their past. He wants them to remember that he rescued them but there's, there's other things that he doesn't want them to remember, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. So, so Egypt was generations ago. Now they were in bondage to a new empire. And in, in, in this moment, he's saying, hey, like you're still clinging on to some old ways. There's some things in your past that you want to hold on to that you won't forget. Maybe it was an identity piece. Maybe it was some mistakes that you made, whatever it is. God is saying, like, listen, there's things in your past that you can't cling to because when you cling to those things, you will never be able to enter into the new life that I have for you. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? 
Now, now here's, here's an interesting moment. Some of us are so caught up in thinking about some of the old things, trying to hold on to what was. Even in our current situation, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as, as it is in this moment with captivity. But I mean, for us, we're, we've transitioned into a whole new way of life. And even though this is just a temporal way of life, like I, I think some of us might be trying to cling on to certain things in our lives that keep us from even perceiving that God might be wanting to do something new in us, something new in our souls, something new in our culture, something new maybe even in our churches. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. There's that word again. And rivers in the desert. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. I love this. In light of the fact that we've been talking about the wilderness season that we're in, Jesus is saying, or, or God is saying, that he gives water. He wants to quench your thirst in the wilderness. He wants, he wants to provide for you. To give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. So, God wants to do a new thing. And oftentimes, he leads us through wilderness seasons, promising us new things on the other end. I, I wonder what new things God might have in store for you. Are, are, are we unwilling to perceive them because we're, we're, we're connecting ourselves way too much to the things of the past? There, there's some old structures and systems and maybe things that we were doing in our life that God wants us to let go of. Maybe they were good things. Not all of those things have to be inherently bad. But oftentimes, when God wants to do a new thing in us, we have to let go of old structures, old ways of life. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. And... Um, I, I want to read another passage for us. And th this is a moment where Jesus speaks to the same reality. And, and, and Jesus is having a conversation with a group of people that come up to him and have a question about fasting in particular. So Mark 2, starting in verse 18, it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests feast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they, and they will fast in that day. 
No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and worse and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, then the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. So Jesus is having a conversation about fasting. Uh, they, these people recognize that there's other, other disciples, John's disciples, Pharisees' disciples, that they're fasting and they're curious. They're like, okay, so this is, this is a good ritual. This is something that like, God asks us to do in the scriptures. So Jesus, why aren't your, your, your people fasting? Like, um, what, what, what's the deal here? Why aren't they adhering to some of the structures that we have in place in our relationship with God? This is what it means to follow God. So, so why is it that you, your disciples aren't doing this? And, and, and Jesus' response is, hey, listen, like, fasting's not wrong. It, it, it may just, it's just the wrong season for it. Notice he says, hey, the, fasting is going to come in handy in, in future moments. But in this season, it's not appropriate. So particularly, he's talking about fasting. And, and he's essentially, in this moment, t- telling them that he's inviting them into a new way of life. He's saying, I, I'm doing something new here. And, and this new way of life, it's going to reorient what you think of when you think about your relationship with God. In scripture and in theological conversations, it's, it's called the new covenant. He was saying that I am bringing a new covenant, a new relationship between God and his, his people. But not only does Jesus' Jesus's moment, this conversation um, about fasting speak to this new way of life that he's inviting us into, I think it also speaks to the reality, the, the idea that Jesus had a way of bringing us into new things. So this isn't just a specific moment. It, it speaks to a reality um, of Jesus' leadership strategy, of how he leads us through new things. So look at the metaphors again. The, the second one, is it says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and the worst tear is made. So this old garment, when, when a new patch that hasn't been shrunk yet is placed on it, eventually when that patch shrinks, it's going to tear an even worse hole and it actually ruins both the old and the new. So there's a certain sense of like structure in the old garment. And, and this new thing that's trying to mend the old structures. So sometimes, going back to our digital metaphors, like we just need a reboot, right? Uh, we, we just need to turn things off and on. We're trying to repair the original operating system. And, and Jesus is saying here that oftentimes when you put a, a new thing into an old operating system, it's actually going to, to make matters worse. It's, it's not going to help. So oftentimes you have to compromise on the new thing to be able to mend the old thing. But then he goes on 
And what I mean by that is that like you'd have to shrink the patch for it to actually repair the old garment. So you'd have to compromise on the integrity of the newness of the patch to, to place it on the old garment. In, in the same way, oftentimes when we're trying to just repair old structures in our lives, then, then it means that we have to compromise on the new thing that God might be trying to do in us. Continue reading it. In verse 22, it says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. So I, I love this moment. If we translate it again to our digital metaphors, like this is an update moment. It's a whole new operating system. So you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Old wineskins were brittle, tough, they, they didn't stretch. So when you put new wine in it and sealed it, when, and the wine began to expand and, and ferment, uh, the, the old wineskin couldn't, it, it couldn't hold it. It would break and that would eventually ruin the wine and also you have a wine skin that doesn't hold any more wine. So it kind of ruins both situations. In order for you to have new wine in a wine skin, it also has to be a fresh wine skin. So it's, it's almost as if Jesus is saying when he wants to do a new thing in us, oftentimes we have to let go of our old way of life our old structures, our old operating systems. Now, if you know anything about operating systems, not every single little aspect about the system is new. There's going to be foundational pieces that remain intact, but there's updates that can only come if we allow um, the update to occur, the, the on-off update uh, to actually take place in the same way, I think that Jesus might be calling us into a season um, it, as we are walking through the wilderness to recognize that at the end of this, he's doing a new thing in us, like that he wants to do something new in you. And the reality is, if, if we want to step into a renewal mode, if we want to recognize these things, we have to understand that it's going to take change and, and we're going to have to grow. And growing is, is it's a part of life. Like if you, if you have lived any measure of life experience, you know that growth is a part of every aspect of human existence. And, and Jesus is saying that in order for me to do a new thing in you, when I want to grow you, when I want to take you deeper, or I want to expand something in you, it's going to take change. It's going to take growth. Now, a lot of you might be thinking in this moment, okay, so then what, what is the new thing? Like, what is he trying to do? If, he, if God is trying to do a new thing, that's, that's amazing, that's awesome. All right, so, so what is it? I, I actually don't think he wants us to focus on whatever that new thing is. And honestly, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what God wants to do. I, I have some, some thoughts, um, but that's all they are. Um, but I think that what God actually wants us to focus on is a lot simpler. Um, he doesn't want us to focus on trying to figure out what the new thing is. And, and the reason I think that is because of what he, Jesus says in the first metaphor in our passage. Look, look at the first metaphor here. 
in verse 19, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. So he uses this metaphor of a wedding feast. And, and if you know anything about, or if you know any of the other stories in scripture, you, you've heard and you know that Jesus uses this metaphor often to describe the relationship between God and his people and, and, even, and even to describe his relationship with God and his relationship with the people. And oftentimes he'll use this idea of a, a bridegroom to describe himself. And he says that the guests have the bridegroom right now. So they're not concerned with whether they're fasting or not. Like, so when the, these people ask him, hey, why aren't your, your, your people fasting? Are they concerned about that? Is that an issue to them? Like, this is a whole new way of life. This is a different structure. Uh, the, the, the system we have in place doesn't seem to be the same system you have in place. Are, are, are you thinking about that? Are they concerned? And Jesus says, listen, I'm with them. They're not concerned with the new thing that I'm doing in them. Their focus is on me. The bridegroom was at the wedding. And in the midst of this renewal process, as Jesus might want to do a new thing for us, as he's creating a way in the wilderness, Isaiah 43, I would encourage you, like recognize that it's going to take a process of change and growth, but also don't focus on that too much. Focus on Jesus. Our call is not to get caught up and strategize on how to get to the new thing that God might be doing in us. Our call is to find joy in his presence. God is with us right now. Jesus wants to commune with you. He is with you in this moment. Yes, he wants to do something in you. He wants to grow you. He wants to deepen your relationship with him. He wants to take you to whole new levels of intimacy. But that is not the point. The point is that you get him. Transformation will occur when you're in his presence. But his presence is of utmost importance. So this week, I encourage you, begin to ask yourself the question, where are you now? In light of transformation, in light of the fact that God might be doing something in you, he might want to uh, do something new through you. Ask yourself the question, where are you now? What do you need to start doing? What do you need to stop doing? Because the reality is, like, the, the systems of our lives that, um, that haven't brought us to a new thing yet, they will not bring us to a new thing in the future. So have that conversation with God. What things do need to change? But don't, don't focus on that as an end. 
that, that's only a process that helps us step into his presence more. I believe that God wants to meet with you in this moment. So, in close, I encourage you to spend a few minutes having a conversation with God, thanking him for his presence. Begin to find him in new ways. Converse with him. Experiment. Maybe he wants to bring up a new practice, a new ritual, a new way of of communing with him, of having conversation with him. He wants you to recognize his presence. He wants you to rest in it. So, if you'll pray with me real quick and then we'll we'll close. Jesus, thank you for your presence. God, you are so good. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to more of you. That we would begin to perceive what you are doing. Your presence in our midst. I am so thankful that you are the God that chose to fashion us, put us together, breathe life into us, and then walk with us, that your presence is here. And not just this theoretical God that makes us, builds us, winds us up, lets us go, and then steps away watching us fall to our own demise, our own calamity. But no, you are walking with us. Jesus, you say that you are with us in Matthew 28. You say that we are supposed to go and make disciples of all nations. And then you tell us that you will be with us. We thank you for your presence. We just rest in that tonight. Jesus, you are so good. In your holy, heavenly name we pray. Amen.